With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everybody. Welcome to the Super Fantasy Bros Podcast, which is part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I am one half of the team, Kevin Coleman, and I am joining the podcast by my co-host, Jacob Dunn. Jacob, how are we doing this week? How are you feeling? How's family? How's everything? I'm fantastic, man. I just had my family fly in from Vegas, from Minnesota, from Ohio, so I am on cloud nine right now. It was great to see family. It was great for them to meet my new son, Tommy, so... You know, I couldn't be better, Kevin, but now I'm ready. I'm ready to talk football with you, my man. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it is. Family is exhausting, but it's fun. But it, by the end, it's it's time. And, and I know that, especially with the newborn, it can get a little hectic. Uh, so I you know I'm glad a training camp is here. And, you know, on today's show, we're going to be covering recent news from training camps around the country, injuries, all these injuries affecting everybody's teams. And we're going to be getting into some battles and, so, and some teams. So let's go. Here we go. All right, so Jacob, we got to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, a lot of news coming out of training camp, and you know everybody and their mothers talking about Carson Wentz getting injured. I know that, you know that, everybody knows that. But we got to talk about it for our listeners, and just in terms of like what we expect. I do want to go a little deeper on it because there's been some ed- other injuries since we've talked about this, but. Potential fallout. So Carson Wentz, he's out for five to 12 weeks. Uh, from just a redraft perspective, it's just a general redra- perspective about this whole situation. How do you feel about the Carson Wentz injury? Yeah, so the Wentz injury caused a huge ripple effect among all of Indy offense. You know, Wentz went from my quarterback 23 to undraftable. You know, there's no way I'm drafting him in redraft. Jonathan Taylor goes to my RB4, who was ascending. I was growing you know, you know, I was growing more and more in love with him and like, you know, you know, like trying to move him even up to RB three, but now he goes all the way down to RB seven and he's sort of, ah, he's kind of a dicey proposition. Like, um, I wonder if I would go Travis Kelsey before driving John, before drafting Jonathan Taylor now, um, you know, and Michael Pittman goes from one of my favorite sleepers at the wide receiver position to more of a late round dart throw uh, that I still that I still want to invest in later, but yeah. not not in like the tenth or eleventh round, which was where his ADP was. Um, you know, and all the other Colts wide receivers just goes just goes from downright undraftable. I'm not I'm not touching I'm not touching Hilton. I'm not touching Paris, on, Paris Campbell. Come on, uh, give, me, give me some Paris Campbell love. 
Best ball, maybe. I know that's your boy, Kevin, sort of. Everybody could draft Paris Campbell in best ball. You got to have some real cojones to draft Paris Campbell and redraft late, late, late pick, right? Are you drafting him late round? Well, I mean, it depends how late we're talking about. Uh, but if Wentz was there, yes. But like you said, the ripple effect of this injury is big. And I'm glad you brought up Jonathan Taylor. So Quentin Nelson, he got injured, and he, you know, the all-pro guard, he, he got the same injury as Wentz, had the same surgery. So he's out 5 to 12 weeks. So I did want to bring up what, you know, I'm glad you kind of brought up Jonathan Taylor. Right now he's listed as running back 6 on 444's ADP. Mm-hmm. I do, so it basically goes CMC, Cook, Henry, Kamara, Barkley, and then Taylor. Where? How do you feel about like? So does does he slip in the second round with this news? And is that a value at this point, or are you think he's still going to get drafted late first? So I still have him as my RB seven, like I said. Okay. Like I said earlier. So I mean, I'm still taking him in the first round. Now, when it gets to my pick at like 108 and 109. I'm going to feel awfully tempted to take Travis Kelsey or a yeah. Devontae Adams, you know, like someone like that instead of an RB. But my plan is to go RB, RB. And starting out with Jonathan Taylor as my RB1, it seems, it still seems safe, but it's still a little risky right now. But at the 108, 109, you know, like at the end of the first, I am definitely willing to take that risk. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you could get Jonathan Taylor and maybe Nick Chubb or maybe Aaron Jones, like as you're running back one, never running back yeah. two. I'm okay with that. I think people are sleeping on Aaron Jones as well. I think that, especially in redraft, I don't see a big fluctuation from him, a big change. Uh, so if you had him as your running back one and two, I, I love that. I do say, like, the Quentin Nelson thing is a bigger injury than a lot of people need like, understand. Like, that yeah. offensive line play, that's why they've been so good is because their offensive line has been so good. Uh, the Colts just got decimated this week. This has not been a good week for the Colts. Uh, right. You know, yeah, right. And- when you lose a future Hall of Fame left guard, I mean, that's <laughs> going to be a problem for everyone on the Colts yeah. offensive side, for sure. You know, it's funny. It's funny because Carson Wentz's injury had this much of a ripple effect, but yeah. I wasn't drafting him anywhere. I didn't want any piece of him, but there's a huge drop-off when it comes to Carson Wentz who has all this experience and has his old coach back, you know, there is a drop off to Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. So Kevin, I wanted to ask you your opinion in dynasty. Who are you targeting here? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if we, if what's, so let's talk about, I want to talk about like Wentz's value for dynasty right now. Like obviously you don't sell him yet. Uh, if you have him on a team, you hope that he comes back. And you know, for your reasons only, I have one share of Wentz. I went back and looked in all my dynasty leagues. And it was a league that, you know, I got third in last year. And and this is a dynasty tip for everybody out there. And I was going to tweet it, but I wanted to save it for the show because you guys are my people. So this year in a 12-team league, I had the 110. And I'm sitting there and my quarterbacks for Wentz, Tannehill, and Darnold. And I just lost Phillip Rivers to retirement. So I had Wentz on the team. So I'm sitting there. And so my quarterbacks are okay. Uh, but Justin Fields fell to the 110 in this league because they're high running backs by receivers. So I took Justin Fields and I got a lot of shit for it from the league mates. They said, you already have quarterbacks. Why are you taking a quarterback and all this stuff? But, but look what happens. Wentz goes down now. And that would have left me with who Darnold and Ryan Tannehill, who shaky number two He's much like that's still shaky to me, but now I have fields and I feel a little bit less 
uh, stressed out about it. And I think that's the key in dynasty. Like if a guy like fields or someone you believe in at the quarterback position falls to the one ten, you take the best quarterback available. And because of the value, like fields is value right now is massively better than what it was, you know, just based on camp. Uh, and rather than wh- who I would have took at that spot, like Waddle, you know, maybe yeah. Devonta Smith, who's injured. Waddle got a little banged up. Like, who are you taking at that spot? So for me, always take those quarterbacks. I mean, there's so much value in Dynasty, especially at that spot. Uh, but as far as like him right now, I'm waiting. Hopefully he comes back and he has a couple games. Uh, but his injury history is a pretty legitimate, legitimate thing. Like his value cliff is going down. Like I, I don't necessarily, mm-hmm. I, I'm out. I've been out on wins forever. Just the one league, I can't get rid of him. Uh, redraft, I'm out. As far as like, mm-hmm. what are we going to do in terms of like their quarterback situation? Someone's got to start. Now, from all accounts I looked up, it said they weren't going to trade for anybody, but that could be uh, my coach talk that I love so much. But <laughs> it might not happen. In my Mariota, I've thrown out there. I know um, Foles has relationship with Frank Reich. But if they keep the base on their quarterbacks on the board, I think it's got to be Jacob Eason. Uh, and I did a I did a YouTube video on him today, and I talked about what he does well. Strong arm. He he has shown great ball placement. He's been in that offense for a year. He's learned. He looked better at Washington. His mm-hmm. completion percentage went up from 59 to 64% after he transferred from Georgia over to Washington. A lot of people like him. He's a fourth round quarterback. This isn't like a seventh round guy they just selected. Like he does have some draft capital. Obviously, not the draft capital we like to see for quarterbacks at that position, but I think it's going to be him. Now, what do you do with him in Dynasty? If you have him, you sell him right now, if you can. Like uh, I did see someone, there was a poll up there that said, if you could get a first, would you give it to him? And 7% said a first. I don't see a first being realistic. I don't. But if you can get a late second or a third, or something added on because you probably got him on waivers. I think that's a value. You take that and you take that value and run as far as how is he going to perform for me? He's just like, Hey, if I have to throw him out there in a bye week if I have three quarterbacks now with him as my third, I'm okay with it. Uh, but I still think he's okay. Like he's not a bad quarterback. I'm not on the Sam Ellinger. I'm out because he hasn't been there. I never really liked him as a quarterback, to be honest. Uh, I think he makes too many mistakes. I think he throws interceptions. I don't think he's an NFL guy. Jacob Eason at least has an NFL arm. Ellinger doesn't have an NFL arm. So, And I tend to go with those guys. I do think that that's why I hated the Quentin Nelson injury, because I thought they'd lean on Taylor, which they still will. But how much can they? Because one of Eason's best strengths was through play action. Had they had Taylor, had they had that ability, I love that ability of his play-action ability. They'd get the ball out quick. And that's the thing in Reich's system. I believe it's like 2.58 seconds is the average time it takes for the quarterback to get the ball out because of how quick the reads are. That actually would fit Eason better. And that's why I like Wentz this year just in terms of like, hey, maybe he can get the ball out quicker. He doesn't have to make those decisions. If Eason has that ability and they build it kind of around him, I could see him being like, 20 22 in that range if he has but his first four games are brutal they're playing the rams they play they, they have a tough schedule and the so Seahawks and the titans and the dolphins yeah, yeah just brutal so like i'm out on him in all aspects of like hey in, in dynasty you can sell him that'd be great i don't i i feel like it's a stopgap no matter what okay so jacob eason is the guy to pick up in dynasty is there a sneaky quarterback pickup like brett hunley since you don't like sam ellinger can Brett Hunley emerge as a possible competition to Jacob Easton, or is he just a backup? I think he's just. A, I think they're just backups. Like, and I think Jacob Easton is just a backup, but he's a guy that maybe if Wentz can. So five to twelve weeks, 
let's say wins can come back. What, you know, let's say after that, those five game stretch where they probably go one and four, it, realistically what we're talking about, right. it, that's probably the earliest Wentz gets in there and goes, I could see them maybe having a scenario where maybe Easton just doesn't, doesn't perform very well. And he doesn't in there. I would, I would be more, they might lean towards more Brett Hundley. Um, yeah. Or they may make a deal like they could get a Mariota or something like that, like maybe bringing in just depending on how those first four games go. But I'm kind of out on the whole situation in Dynasty. I, I yeah. do realize like Jacob Eason probably isn't on your waivers. Like in all my leagues, he was not. He's on a team because if he's not, if he's not on a team, you got to get a better Dynasty league because or yeah. just deeper rosters. But um, those other guys, I'm just not taking a shot unless you absolutely need a quarterback. If you absolutely need a quarterback though that bad, then you're you might want to not play Dynasty. Anymore, you, <laughs> you might have been struggling a little bit. That's fair. All right. So, you know, the last thing we're going to talk about with the Colts and, you know, wide receivers, I'm still on the Paris Campbell train. I'm a little bit out on Pittman, too. I think his ADP is too high for what now, especially for what he's going to be. Uh, and, and I'm out there. The other part is running backs. You know, I, Naheem Hines is going to be good. I like Naheem Hines. I actually love him in PPR formats. I think he's going to catch a lot of balls. Marlon Mack, he looks pretty good, Jacob. Like, he's moving around. And I Mm -hmm. saw the question I had for you is, you know, I think Marlon Mack's ability to stay healthy and what he looks like after his Achilles, that is going to be tied into Cam Akers' value, right? Like, when we're looking at, okay, what can Cam Akers be next year? So, like, everybody's saying watch Marlon Mack. So, he's older. He has that kind of that injury. If if he has a good year, we could see Cam Akers' value go up. Like, and I think that's one of the things to look at if you're a Cam Akers dynasty owner. Like, hey, mm-hmm. if Max doing well, you know, I might be able to get more for him in a trade now, or I, I might be encouraged by that. And Marlon Max ADP that you put down is running back fifty seven. Are you taking a shot? Maybe are you watching him, seeing how he does? Because he was a pretty formidable back when he was healthy. Man, I love this question, Kevin. Yeah, I mean. As as a fellow Cam Aker manager like you, it's like I am watching Mac intently. And the good news is, is that if Marlon Mack, if he looks like his old self or even close to his old self, like you said, he's a little bit older. He's uh he's 25 years old, whereas Cam Akers is 22 years old. You know, yeah. if Marlon Mack can do it three years older than Cam Akers, there is nothing stopping Akers. You know, like that would be incredible news for us, Kevin. And for all of us, Cam <laughs> Akers, all of us Cam yeah. Akers managers. So, you know, I, I am absolutely watching Mac and I am wishing him all the best because that, that would drive up Cam Akers' dynasty value. Would it not, Kevin? Yeah, it'd have to, right? Because they'd be like, oh, hey, look at what he's been able to do. Look at how how he's been being creating for, you know, maybe they get him some run. Maybe he has a couple games where he has 80 yards. What happens if Jonathan Taylor, God forbid, goes down? Like, I think that if he just looks explosive, I think Acres' value is going to shoot up a little bit, which is good right now because Acres' value is obviously a low it's been. And this is why I'm not on the train of, like, selling Acres, like, unless you could get really good return. Because if Mac comes back, then you, then you have some ability and you have that. But – uh, I, I love this idea of watching him and seeing how he grows. It just gives me something added to watch. I think it's a really thing you have to watch if you're an Acres owner. Mm, absolutely. And in redraft, Marlon Mack is being taken in the 17th round as RB57. So he is going virtually undrafted. So yeah. if you do draft Jonathan Taylor towards the end of your first round, I would think about doing an insurance policy and drafting Mack with your last pick or at least keeping him on your watch list. Yeah, and I'm a big Naheem Hines guy. I don't know how you feel about Hines. Yeah. I think he yeah. I think he has value. Like I and I do, especially now, like with Easton and those guys there, like if he's gonna True. be dump off, manufacture touches, those type of things. Like I think those all those three guys actually have some value there. But 
That's the Indianapolis Colts. We are going to go to oh, my beloved Dallas Cowboys, who whew, we've had some. We, we I, I, hard knocks is going to be hard on the soul for me. Uh, but <laughs> the first thing we got to talk about is Dak Prescott's injury. Uh, you know, shoulder injury. They had MRI. They're keeping him out. Uh, uh, the question I have now, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but the question I have for you as someone who's not, you don't watch the team as, as, as closely as I do because I'm a fan. You know, are you worried about Dak Prescott's injury? I've heard some concerns about maybe how he hasn't played. He needed the reps. Now he's going to be missing out on the reps. Like, how do you feel about that whole scenario? So the latest report as of Tuesday, August 3rd, was that Prescott won't throw in practice Tuesday. That report also noted that Dak hasn't suffered any sub, um, any setbacks with his strained right shoulder and that head coach Mike McCarthy is, quote, just being more conservative at this time with the big picture in mind. So by all accounts, the Cowboys are simply putting on kid gloves on their franchise quarterback, which makes absolute sense. Why would you risk the health of a man you just signed to a four-year, $160 million contract with $126 million guaranteed? Yeah. You know, Dallas isn't worried, so I don't think any of us should be worried. But Kevin, as a Cowboys fan, are you worried? Yes, I am. Well, okay, so I'm worried as like a Cowboy fan. I, as a as a dynasty manager, I'm not worried. Like, and as a re, as as a Dak owner, if I have Dak on my roster, I'm not that worried about it because I think the preseason's overrated. I'm actually glad he's not really playing because you know what? They don't need it. We saw it last year. These guys really don't need it. Exactly. They don't. And so I'm not really concerned there. I'm just concerned as like, gosh, I feel like we have something biting our ass because we just can't stay healthy. And we have these issues that are happening. Like I just, I struggle with it. The only, the question mark I have is like, Hey, he hasn't had, I'm sure he's had reps with CD and these wide receivers, obviously over the summer, he, you know, in this offense, even last year, he got injured really early. Like the reps thing needs to be there. So I'm hoping he can throw in the last couple of weeks. Like maybe the last week they get him in there for a half in the last preseason game or something like that, that they usually do. I know it's usually the third, but maybe it's the fourth game this year because of his injury. I'd like to see him a little bit more reps, but I do want to trans- transition to my guy, CD lamb, Jacob. He is a monster. He's amazing. Like, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I've been on the wide receiver one train this whole time. I absolutely love him. His catches he's making now to be fair, he is making a lot of catches against our corners and our cornerbacks are not good. Like I will be honest on that side. Like <laughs> there is Diggs is getting owned out there and I'm worried because Diggs is supposed to be the cornerback one. And now it just looks like it's, I'm getting nervous about that part, but you know what? His ADP right now is wide receiver 12 and you know, Cooper and Amari Cooper's ADP is wide receiver 14. So I think this is going to be an ongoing thing where we talk about like, you know, training camp battle. Who would we have? Like, are you buying Lamb at his ADP, and is Amari a value? What's funny, Kevin, is that you have said multiple times on this show that the advantage of playing in redraft is that we can avoid all the injuries that <laughs> that happen during training camp, right? Yeah. Well, CD is showing out in camp, and he's creating all these highlight real catches, and it is skyrocketing his ADP. So now I won't be able to get Lamb in the middle to late <laughs> fourth round like his ADP suggested a few weeks ago. Now, if I want his services in redraft, I'm going to have to spend a third round pick on him. Uh, So look, it's not that I am unwilling to spend a mid third round pick on him. You know, he, he is being taken at the three Oh nine, you know, and he is my overall wide receiver eight for this season. 
You know, like I believe in him as much as you do, Kevin. He has all the talent in the world. Um, it's that I was hoping to grab him in the fourth round after taking RB, RB, and a wide receiver one, and then Lamb. Yeah. Like to sneak a potential top five wide receiver as your wide receiver two in the fourth round was gold to me. And now all these highlight reel catches is just is just completely boshing that. Uh, but hey, you know, it's just it is the nature of the beast. CD lamb is next. He, you know, you know, his breakout season is inevitable. I am still willing to grab him in the third round personally, because he'll be worth it playing in that loaded Dallas offense, but I'm just bummed that I can't get him at a discount anymore, but I would, I would much rather have lamb in the third round than Cooper in the fourth round. Okay. No, I think that's fair. I, you know, I was looking at the wide receivers that are going on right before him. So in that third round, essentially you're looking at AJ Brown is going like, you know, ADP is 25, but I have a hard time seeing AJ Brown get out of that second round. I don't know, maybe late second, early third. He's kind of in there. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, so it's Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin and CD lamb. Like in that group, the only one that I see is Allen where I'm like, man, I like Keenan Allen yeah. a lot. Like I'd be concerned with grabbing lamb ahead of probably Keenan, just in PPR formats for, yeah. for, for sure. It's close to me, but I'm okay with having CD ahead of Allen and Terry McLaurin. Like I'm okay with him being my wide receiver one over those guys. But I do have that like, eh, like eight. I feel like Keenan Allen is kind of in that weird too. Who would you rather have Keenan Allen or AJ or um, CD? That's a brilliant question. I would, I would rather have a Keenan Allen just because his quarterback, you know, Justin Herbert, he is yeah. a boss and they're both going into their second season together and they've had a full season together. Whereas Dak and lamb didn't have that full season together, even though they looked amazing. Uh, and also the recent Dak injury is giving me a little bit of pause when it comes to Allen versus lamb. Now I would mm-hmm. easily take lamb over a Rob and I just put him ahead of scary Terry. Um, you know, so I would take Lamb over those guys for sure. But with Keenan Allen, his floor is too high for me to take over or for me to take Lamb over. I would rather have Keenan Allen. It is very close, uh, but I, but but I would rather have that safe floor. Now, my hope, Kevin, was to get <laughs> Keenan Allen in the third and then Lamb yeah, in the fourth. Yeah. Like that was my perfect dream stack. And that is no more. But, you know, yeah. I'm going with Allen for the safety, but Lamb has a much higher ceiling. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I, I think that's true. And in, to your credit, too, or to the point of like the Chargers, uh, you know, when you're looking at weapons that they have to deal with, you have Mike Williams, and then you have a bunch of wide receiver threes we don't know. Right. Tight end Jared Cook, who's really going to be there? You know, you have Eckler, but how much are they going to pass? So, like for me, I know Allen's going to get those targets. There are going to mm-hmm. be some games where we look at Lamb and be like, why the hell did he only get six targets? It's just inevitably going to happen with all the weapons on that side. Right. Right. So I so I agree. And then you know that there's a tight end battle. It's a very underrated tight end battle since since no one's drafting these guys. But we have Blake Jarwin, right. Dalton Schultz. You know Jarwin's ADP right now is uh fifteen point oh one, tight end twenty four. Schultz is going as tight end thirty four. But there is a battle from everything I've read from the Cowboys training camp and everything there. Like these guys are definitely having it. Jarwin did look okay, and and, and looks like that ACL looks a little better. Uh, but you know. As far as ADP goes, you know, are you going to reach? Because so essentially, Jarwin, you're drafting. Schultz is kind of in that maybe depending on how big your league is. Like, who would you, who do you rather want in that scenario? 
So I had Jarwin pegged as one of my favorite tight end sleepers last season. Uh, yeah. Like, like I thought, I thought it was inevitable because Jason Witten was leaving. It was all his. And then he tore his ACL, you know, completely boshing that idea, unfortunately. But now he again emerges as my post hype sleeper. So I still have him as a bargain as like you said, Kevin, he's going virtually undrafted. Uh, so I still think, you know, all you hashtag zero tight end <laughs> folks out there, keep Jarwin in mind with your last pick in the draft or think about streaming him early in the season. I think it's Jarwin's job to lose and Schultz is just a tight end too, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I want to get your opinion, Kevin, a Dallas Cowboys fan. What what do you think will happen? Do you think that they'll share snaps or do they want Jarwin to win that job? Well, they gave him that contract. So I think they want Jarwin to win the job. Uh, it's just how much I think they'll split a little bit more than we think. Like I, I realistically could see them coming out, maybe 12 personnel, but obviously they don't like to use that too much. Cause they like to spread the field. I could see Schultz being in there as well. You know where I could really see Schultz kind of doing it is in the red zone. I can see Schultz kind of altering some Jarwin red zone, you know, tar- mm. manufactured touches, targets. Maybe Jarwin blocks a little bit more and gets him inside. He's a better inline blocker, I believe. So when you're watching him, I worry about that. The problem for me, I think both of these guys are what eight points per game unless they score a touchdown. Like I don't necessarily see these guys as being those dudes. I would rather go after Gerald Everett from Seattle, who's going like right after Jarwin. That's that would be that's my zero tight end love child this year. Uh-huh. Uh, he's that guy. I've been like, yeah, you know what? I'll go after Everett. Uh, and, and yeah. look for that because I realistically think Everett could be the third leading wide receiver on that team in Seattle. Like I think Lockett, Metcalf, Everett. I like that pick a lot because Everett gets his 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 old Rams offensive coordinator to Seattle, so yeah. he 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 is already familiar with that offense. So that's a great pick, Kevin. Yeah, so I, I realistically I think that's there. I, I do think it's a it's something to watch because for dynasty purposes. Jarwin got picked pretty high last year. So like yeah. you Jarwin's value is way lower than what you've drafted last year. Exactly. You want Jarwin to win because you have that ability. It was Schultz is some dude you just picked up a waiver. Cause I did. Cause I had Jarwin a lot of plus yeah. spots. So I had to pick up Schultz and a lot of issues. Like you need Jarwin to win the job. If you're a dynasty manager, because you need to hope that he gets that target share that you need to either unload him because he should be your tight end two or three. I'm, probably tied in three so you really need him to win that job there but i love what dallas is doing i can't wait to watch hard knocks Uh, but we got to move on a little bit and we are going to go to jacksonville jaguars training camp so we're going around the country today giving you everything you need to know and you know i think you know quarterback we know what's there the biggest question is like who do we want in that jaguars wide receiver corps ever since they took that damn picture on that boat i don't know if you've seen that and everybody's <laughs> laughing with uh, trevor lawrence the question is and i saw some people trying to say oh he's you know he's next to i think he was next to lavisca or you know he's next to chark that's his uh-huh. wide, wide receiver one i've heard a lot of good things about a lot of different of these receivers you know, DJ Chark's ADP is 76.0, wide receiver 33. LaVisca's his ADP is 109, wide receiver 44. So he's actually going a little later now. That ADP has changed a little bit. And then Marvin Jones, ADP 118, wide receiver 49. Now, I know where I'm at, but who are you Who are you taking in redraft there, Jacob? DJ Shark. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, it's Shark, baby. Shark, Shark is fully healthy after an injury-ravaged 2020 he has the size at six foot four. He has the speed running a four three four forty. He can win every jump ball. He can blow the top off any defense. He is ultra talented. We forget that because he had such an injury ravaged 
2020 season, but he had a breakout yeah, yeah. 2019 season uh, with Gardner Minshew. Uh, so I think that Shark is going to be Trevor Lawrence's top target on this Jacksonville team who is going to be trailing in virtually every game this season. Yeah, no, no. Listen, um, you can tell we have kids with the baby shark uh, innuendo <laughs> there. I've heard that in my nightmares for a lot years uh, now. But what I will say, it, it, it's shark, and shark is the yeah. the most. He is the most valuable player you can draft around that ADP where he's going. Like I have, it's DJ Shark. You're gonna really take DJ Shark or Devonta Smith. I'm still betting on DJ Chark because I love the quarterback situation better with Lawrence. He's going to be the wide receiver one. That offensive line is better. That offense is better. Mm -hmm. Like, give me Chark. I I think he's getting severely underdrafted because I think some people – they got burned on him last year, but I'm not. I'm not using last year as a as a determining factor um, for his ADP. He had a lot of. They had a lot of issues there. LaVisca is so overvalued right now that it's driving Chark's value down, and which is great. If I had LaVisca in Dynasty, I would be trying to trade him. Like, I'm going to tell everybody right now, I am not a LaVisca truther. There's a lot of LaVisca truthers out there. I don't think Jacob's yeah. a LaVisca truther. But there's guys out there that I'm just like, hey, you're you're talking him up like he's the next next wide receiver one where he gets gonna, he's going to get some manufactured touches. He's going to get some cross. Um, you know, he'll, they'll get him involved. He's got to stay healthy. Right. And I just – I get that his ADP is 44 – so I don't, I don't necessarily hate taking a shot on him, like where he's going. You know, I, I don't necessarily because after that, yeah. I, I actually would much rather have Mike Williams from the Chargers. I'm gonna be honest with you, like that is um, a guy that I would much rather draft than than La, the Lavisca. Um, and when you're looking at like Lavisca's trade, you know, someone traded Jerry Judy straight up for Lavisca Chanel on DLF. Oh, give man. me, give me Jerry Judy Absolutely. all day. And, I, and then someone traded LaVisca for a 2023 first. And I love the 2023 first class. Like yeah. his his value for what he's going to produce is just way too overblown. Get, I'm out on LaVisca. I'm out. Man, I'm with you, Kevin. I am right there with you. There are so many Visca truthers out there. I mean, like I put up that tweet about Shark and how he should be the top target. And all the comments were just flooding in about it's yeah. Visca season. Visca is wide receiver one. I don't think that Chenault uh, is like a wide receiver one alpha. I think he is a gadget guy who who is going to have a safe floor. Like, you know, uh, he is comparable to Curtis Samuel. Like, you know, he's going to yeah. line in the backfield. He's going to get manufactured touches. But he's not an alpha wide receiver one like Shark is or even like Marvin Jones is. I think that Visca is a wide receiver three on his own team. He is going to be a gadget guy, but we've all seen like he is built like a running back and he runs the ball like a running back. Like he he has a bruising style that is going to get him hurt. And he has been hurt like, you know, here here out in Denver. I watched him a lot out out at CU. You know, he 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 was in the wildcat, like probably most of the time because the buffs just wanted him to have the ball and he, and he, and he plays like a running back. He, he is just a gadget guy who is going to get, who is going to get touched, who is going to get a lot of touches. I'm excited to see how 
Urban Meyer uses him. But to say that he is the alpha wide receiver one is nonsense to me. I think he he is going to be great. He's going to be fun to watch because he is. I love Visca. I love watching him, but I don't love him in fantasy. So no. like 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 you said, Kevin, if you can if you can capitalize on just his name and just the potential on this Urban Meyer Jacksonville offense, if you can capitalize with the future first with Jerry Judy, that's insane. That that is that is nonsense. Uh I would absolutely capitalize on that. Uh and I wouldn't look back. So, you know, we don't hate you, Visca, but <laughs> you know, if you can if you can cash in on his name right now, I would do it in a second. Yeah, and and just to wrap this up about LaVisca, he, this is the deal that I saw James Robinson, LaVisca Chanel, and Kadarius Tony for Jamar Chase. Give me Jamar Chase yeah. <laughs> all day long in Dynasty over that. That dude could be a Dynasty wide receiver one when we're talking about like yeah. his class. I mean, it's it's outrageous right now. Like this this stuff is just outrageous right now. It's too high. And another reason why is because of Travis Etienne. Like we're gonna go right. to Travis Etienne versus James Robinson right now in their training camp battle. ETN's going to get manufactured touches. They're talking about using him in the slot. You know yeah. what? Everything that we thought LaVisca should be in this offense, it's going to be ETN. And that's what's going to happen. And I'm smashing ETN right now. So his ADP is thirty, uh, running back 34. And PBR formats, that's a value, guys. Because yeah. I think that when we look at what Javante, we're going to talk about Javante here in a minute. What Javante can bring is like, hey, if he starts, he's going to get volume. He's going to be there. If ETN doesn't get that starting, he'll probably start. But if James Robinson's back there, they can still use ETN in a lot of different formats. And I know that he had that famous quote where he said he wasn't a good passer or pass catcher. That was three years ago, everybody. He's gotten better. You want a kid to get better. That's what he's yeah. done. He got And we talked about his stats. He's had over 400 yards receiving the last two years at Clemson. He became a good pass catcher. You can't blame a guy for saying he's got to get better. I mean, what are we doing here? So ETN is my guy. James Robinson ADP is running back 26, which is kind of weird, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. different. Who would you rather have in this scenario? Because it's me, it's ETN. So it's ETN for me, too. You know, when ETN was drafted, Urban Meyer – came out and said that his plan was to utilize the running back on the outside as a receiver, which led us all to believe that James Robinson will still have a huge role. Right. Um, you know, and so far he has been a man of his word, like by all accounts in camp, ETN is unguardable. Uh, he looks like a beast out there. So, you know, at first I thought this was a horrible landing spot for him, but I gotta admit ETN is growing on me, especially at his current ADP, like you said, Kevin. I mean, he's going in the ladder of the eighth round to the ninth round. I mean, you know, I pulled up his receiving stats over his final two seasons at Clemson, and he caught 85 passes for 1,020 yards. So I believe that ETN's big play ability on an offense who will manufacture touches for their 25th overall pick is definitely worth a shot in the eighth or ninth round. I mean that, like you said, Kevin, that is a smash for me. I still think that J Rob will handle most of the first and second downs, at least in the early part of the season, but he's limited in the passing game. And I, and I'd much rather draft ETN in, in the eighth round than J Rob in the sixth. I mean, I wouldn't even be looking Robinson's way until the eighth or ninth. I, 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 would bet good money that those ADPs are going to switch. Like it's going to be ETN in the sixth and, and Robinson in the eighth. 
Yeah, that's a weird ADP for me. I mean, you brought up all good points. That's true. Like, he got better receiving. He did those things. PPR, I'm not touching James Robinson. Like, I, I think no. that he has such a low ceiling. And it, with ETN, he has a high ceiling that we're talking about with, with just manufacturers, touchers, and those things. And, mm-hmm. like, and James Robinson right now is going ahead of Juju, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, even Daryl Henderson, Chark. The, um, you know, wow. Raheem Moster, like those guys, like give me those guys oh, over yeah. a guy with, I don't know the role. Like, I don't know the role and on an undrafted guy coming out of, you know, college, he has a new regime there. Like mm-hmm. stop making fantasy so hard out there. People <laughs> like, it's not that hard to look at and say, Hey, I'm the value is with ETN because pass catching, he's probably going to take over the lead role later. Like stop drafting James Robinson as AP because you're going to lose. That's how you lose mm-hmm. and, and stop losing your leagues. It's just, we're trying to help you here. Now, the one other thing is, hey, our boy Tebow, I know you're a Tebow truther, uh, Denver guy out there. He scored a touchdown in a a drill. I thought it was all right. I will say this, like, uh, Tebow, to me, is going to get more run than we want. I don't think he's going to get cut. I think he's going to be on that roster. And I do think that he's going to piss off some fantasy managers because I do think he's going to vulture some – they're going to vulture some red zone touches for him. Like, I do think that's a real thing. Do you agree or do you think I'm crazy? It's funny. I used to be a big old Tim Tebow stand back in the day. You know, I was, I was just a Tebow apologist. Uh, so, so I thought it, it was pretty cool that he got another shot in the NFL, but the dude hasn't seen a regular season game since 2012. You know, that was nine years ago. He's yeah. going, you know, he's going to be 34 years old once the season starts. I just don't see him playing more than 5% of the offensive snaps each game, you know. But like you said, Kevin, I would bet good money that he steals some snaps in the red zone. Like you said, like all of his snaps will probably be, you know, all right, let's get him. Let's get Tim Tebow a touchdown. Let's, let's run him in the wildcat, you know, and just let him bully his way in there i think he can do that i would bet good money that he gets a touchdown but it sounds like kevin you think he's gonna get multiple touchdowns well okay so here's my question for you i, I brought up a little i you know i don't know if you gamble or not but yes yeah, las vegas has his touchdown prop at two and a half so are you gonna take the over on that or the under because i'm taking the over i'm taking the over on that i think he scores three Dude, that is so funny because that is the perfect number. And I yeah, think well. that he only gets one, maybe two. So I'm going to take the under on that, Kevin. So I guess we got ourselves a bet. First bet of the year. All right. So we're going on a bet. Who is going to be – Tebow's going to score if he doesn't get cut. I will say that. I'm going to put a caveat little thing. But if he's on that roster, if he can score more than two and a half touchdowns, then we'll figure it out. But that, that's interesting right. to me. Uh, now let's go to your neck of the woods. Denver Broncos training camp. Uh Probably one of the most lackluster training camp battles from what I've heard. You're you're in the area more than I am, but Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. Locke's ADP is QB 36. Bridgewater's ADP is QB 35. No one knows who's going to win this job. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, your coach Fangio talked about he's mad at Bridgewater for checking down too mm-hmm. much. I've heard reports that the players there want Locke, and they said they'll, they're they're going to, you know, revolt if he doesn't start. Uh, you know, what is going on with that battle? What have you heard from that just initial from this first couple weeks? Yeah, so reports are neither Drew Locke or Teddy are leading this competition as of today, you know, yeah. according to Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post. No one's leading. It is 50-50. It is a coin flip. Head coach Vic Fangio said that 
we are getting the best version of Drew Locke that they have ever gotten. So Drew Locke is impressing. We've seen all those highlights. He's bombing it to KJ Hamler, you know, because like Hamler is creating that separation and Drew Locke has that big arm to get it to him. Yeah. Whereas Teddy Bridgewater does not have that big arm. He is, like you said, he's checked down Teddy. That's what he does. And that we all knew that once the Broncos traded for Teddy Bridgewater, it's like, okay, we got, we got ourselves an Alex Smith type quarterback. Who's not going to make mistakes, but he's not going to win us more than seven to eight games. We, the Broncos are going to be in quarterback purgatory and not going to have a good draft pick if we go with Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> with, with with Drew Locke, the Broncos are either going to go 5-12 and 12, or we're going to make the playoffs and maybe make some noise. Like It's like it's that big of a disparity between what we're going to get with Drew Locke, whereas Teddy, we're going nowhere with him. Uh, so, I th- so what you said, Kevin, the players want Drew Locke to win because he has a big arm. He, 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 he is wild. You know, like you don't know what you're going to get from him, but he has that ceiling that the players are exciting for, or that are, that the players are excited for. Yeah. Um, whereas Teddy, it's just going to be a humdrum three and out three and out. Oh, he, you know, like a short slant to Judy. Oh, that's <laughs> fun. But then, you know, you know, something happens and the offense stalls. But with yeah. Drew Locke, it's either going to be a pick six the other way or it's going to be a bomb to Hamler, a bomb to Judy. And that is a lot more exciting. And it just uh, it just it baffles me that it's even a 50 50 competition. But, Kevin, I secretly believe that it's only a competition so that we get the best of Drew Locke, which is what Vic Fangio said. We are getting the best version of Drew Locke, which I think was their plan all along. The Broncos have every incentive to start Drew Locke because they drafted up to get him in the 2019 NFL draft in the second round. They want Locke to win. I personally believe that with my whole heart. They want Drew Locke to win. They just needed a fire to be lit under his butt, and that's why they traded for Teddy. He's an amazing backup, which, you know, that's what he is. He's a backup. He will back up Drew Locke. So Drew Locke's going to win this competition. And it's funny to me that Bridgewater's ADP is higher than a Drew Locke, but I'm taking Drew Locke all day, and I and I will enjoy streaming him once he wins that job. Yeah, give me Locke all day. I'm out on Bridgewater. I, I think that's key there. And like you said, his arm, his talent, and as fantasy managers, we should want Locke. There's no yeah. part of me where it's like I keep seeing people on Twitter and other social media outlets saying – Bridgewater means stock up for Judy. Listen, get that shit out of here. Because nah. the only stock up for Bridgewater is the dump-offs to the running backs. Those other parts yeah. of it. Locke <laughs> is the – he might not be a great quarterback, but a fantasy quarterback, he's going to help out all my other people that I own, like Fant and Sutton and Judy. So I want Locke to win. Like that is – I'm really involved in this because I want Locke to win because I think that – based on what the what I own in other places. So it's selfishly, like I want Locke to win because I think he's going to – he can hit the ceiling on those guys more than anybody else. Like give me yeah. Locke in that category. And, and to talk about the wide receivers, you know, Corton Sutton is injured. Uh, Jerry Judy is there as well. Uh, you know, Sutton's ADP is round seven basically, right? Wide receiver 31. Judy is wide receiver 35 round seven. So you're basically picking. Do you want Sutton or do you want Judy? Right. Uh, there's been some there's been some videos of, of Sutton not looking very uh, explosive. It looks like he's laboring that ACL. Yep. It's making me nervous, Jacob. Like, right. uh, how nervous should we be? And is Judy actually the play in redraft rather than Sutton? You said it, Kevin. I I am starting to wane on Sutton. Uh, you know, 
admittingly, I was a stan earlier this summer. Yeah. I said, I said he he's going to be completely healthy. He's going to be a value in the seventh to eighth round. But like you said, video doesn't lie. He looks hesitant. He looks slow, and I think it's going to take him a few weeks into the NFL season to actually get back up to speed, which is going to give Jerry Judy an even more of of a fantasy boon as well as Noah Fant. Um, so I think that Judy and Fant's ADP right now, I'm smashing, and I'm I'm staying away from Sutton unless he drops out of value in the later eighth to ninth round. I I am passing on him in the seventh round right now just because of what we have seen with our own eyes. I know there's still time for him to get right, but right now if I'm drafting, I am I am playing it safe. I'm drafting Judy, who I have as my wide receiver 25. I think that Jerry Judy's separation skills, uh, he is bound to break out. And if Drew Locke is finding K.J. Hamler because – Hamler's getting separation. Jerry Judy gets separation on every single play. I mean, he is always open. Uh, so Locke's going to find Judy. He may have overthrown him a bunch last year. We all know. But, you know, there's a game where Judy got 15 targets and he got nine catches. Yeah. And some of that was Jerry Judy's fault with the drops. But we expect him to clean up those drops and we are seeing the best version of Locke. So I think that's, that, that is a perfect formula for a better season from both. So I'm smashing Judy uh, as, as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three this season in all formats. Yeah, no, I, you bring up a good point. Uh, just based on ADP alone, I'm kind of out on that in terms of who he is. Now, I do want to ask you a question because based on where they're getting drafted right now, would you rather have Sutton or would you rather have Robbie Anderson if you had to pick? Uh, I'm going with I'm going with Robbie Anderson. Uh, I okay. I have started to warm up on him just because he has played with Darnold and he already has that chemistry. So I'm going to go with Robbie. He's he is by all accounts completely healthy. So I will take the healthier body over Sutton right now. How about okay. you? Uh, he, I, I'm going to still go with Sutton. Uh, okay. I, but I, I understand where Robbie's at. Like, to me, like, I understand he's probably the safer. You're the safe floor guy, though. See, I'm going to go with Sutton because I'm the high ceiling. Can he okay. maybe, like, by week four or five, you know, can because I feel like maybe I can get, like, a Marvin Jones later, and that can okay. sure up my first few weeks in redraft. Hey, he has that kind of, you know, slow floor. And then I get Sutton by week four or five. Maybe his injury is better. We all know he's going to take a little bit of time. And now you have a true wide receiver, too, that you're starting as a wide receiver four. You kind of have that energy, and you kind of have that for your redraft team. But I understand Robbie. I think Robbie has a very safe floor, and I think him and Darn are going to do well together in that yeah. offense. I'm okay with that. Now, we want to do move over to Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon really quick. I know we've already talked about these guys a little bit, but right now, Javante Williams is ADP 69, running back 25. Melvin Gordon's ADP is 86, running back 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, from all accounts, from what I've been hearing, it's Melvin Gordon's job. Like, I, I've heard that multiple times. Melvin Gordon is the best. Benjamin Albright. Mo- Melvin Gordon has been the best in camp. Melvin Gordon has been the best running back. That's all I keep hearing. Mm-hmm. Are we overvaluing Javante a little bit in redraft now? Be- I mean, I love him in Dynasty. I'm taking Javante all day. I could even take Javante as my running back, too, in Dynasty. But in, in redraft, mm-hmm. is he getting overvalued at running back 25? So I've been a huge advocate for Javante Williams ever, si- ever since the Broncos traded up in the second round to secure his services this year's draft. Um, the Broncos had had him as their number one back on their big board. So they 
they got their guy. So he is he is the future in Denver. Now I now I know what you're saying. His ADP uh, is much higher than Gordon. He's being taken two rounds earlier than Gordon. But yeah. I believe that is that is the smart play. It's not the smart play at the beginning of the season, just because Gordon is going to start the season. I have no doubts about that. He is going to be the lead dog to start the season with. You know, it's going to be a 60, probably like a 65 35 split in favor of Gordon in the first two weeks. And then I see Javante slowly eating into his workload uh, in week three and four and five, whereas it's going to be 50 50 in week five. And then in week six, I'm calling my shot where he takes over as the starting running back. That doesn't mean that he won't have flex appeal in weeks three, four, and five because I. Because I do think he has big playability, and he's going to get enough volume to uh, to justify using him in your second flex spot. Uh, but I think in week six is where he completely takes over. Gordon either looks done or he's hurt or something because Gordon has never played a full season in his whole career. Uh, so it's only a matter of time before Javante gets this before he gets this starting role. Now he's being taken as the RB 25. I have him as the RB 22. So I like that spot. I would, I would definitely be willing to spend a seventh round pick on him just for the fact I can get him as a potential lead back or even shared that, or even share that backfield for a few weeks before he becomes the lead back. You know, I want that potential because yeah, if he becomes the starter, then you have him for the playoffs, for the stretch run, and he is, is by all accounts, you know, a league winner. Yeah, so he's at, okay, so just, I, I know I don't want to harbor on this too much, we still got to talk about Tampa Bay, but right now I feel like after Josh Jacobs, who's running back 20, running back 21 is Mike Davis, running back 22 is Miles Gaskin, then you have Kareem Hunt, then you have Chase Edmonds, and then Javante. Do you want Javante over all four of those guys? Or because I think they're basically in the same tier. I just think you have to bet on upside and ceiling, like you're talking about. So, like, you know, Javante probably by week six, I could see him vaulting all those guys. I guess the one guy I, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning whether I'd take him over is Miles Gaskin because I actually do believe in Miles Gaskin and what he brings to that Miami Dolphins team and what he was right. able to do last year. And even maybe Chase Edmonds, you know, based on his size when he came in the camp. But would you take Javante over all those guys, Davis, Gaskin, Hunt, Edmonds? So I would only take Hunt and Edmonds over Javante right now. Okay. Uh, you know, unless we hear some more stuff about Javante is going to take over earlier than we expected. Hunt and Edmonds are the safest picks. I I don't have any faith. Or you know, Okay, I have some faith <laughs> that... Miles Gaskin is going to lead that committee, but I do think it's going to be a committee. Uh, okay. I, I don't have so so it's going to be Hunt first, and then Chase Edmonds, and then I'll take a Javante Williams. Um, so yeah, all the other ones I can do without, but I would, but I think that Javante Williams by the end of the season he's going to normalize into being a top a top twenty back at the worst. 
Okay. No, I think that's fair. I, I am coming around a little bit on the um, on the Chase Edmonds train. Like, I really am coming around on redraft, especially. Like, I do think he's going to see those targets there, but I think it's a good understanding. I think he's going in a weird, a wide spot. I do think Melvin is a, a value depending on how far he goes down. Like, I would not draft Leonard Fournette over Melvin Gordon, and that's what's happening right now. So, like, I'm okay with going for Melvin. We're going to talk about. Let's just go to Tampa Bay now. Like, you know, the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, we know the Buccaneers, what they are. Uh, they are the, uh, you know, the, the fantasy world champion. Uh, let's go through Tom Brady. There's obviously no camp battle there, but he's going as QB9. And the question I have for you that I brought up and I had some other people ask me, is Tom Brady getting underrated actually in drafts? Like, I, I believe he finished as QB6 or 7 last year. So when you're looking at what he's able to do on a weekend from week out and redraft-wise, his weapons seemingly got better, especially with Giovanni Bernard there. You know, OJ Howard coming back from his injury. Rob, you know, is there Antonio Brown a full year? Like, are we undervaluing Brady in redraft? Or are you okay with that QB9? You feel like that's a pretty good spot for him. It's tough because Tom Brady was being drafted in the eighth and ninth round, along with Ryan Tannehill and Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow not yeah. two weeks ago. So now his ADP has shot up to the sixth round as quarterback nine which is a little bit too rich for me you know i i am a hashtag zero quarterback guy like i want to wait on my quarterback or stream uh you know i love to stream taking a 44 year old in the sixth round doesn't sound too appealing to me you know i know drafting brady in the ninth round a few weeks ago was a fantastic proposition but i'd rather grab another running back or wide receiver in the sixth round and just wait on a quarterback. But I know that Brady has all this potential. He's going into his second season in the Bruce Arians offense with all these weapons, just in, just in the sixth round, I want another running back or a wide out. Okay. No, I think that's fair. I, I do think that he's getting a little overdraft right now, especially in redraft. I do think in dynasty though. So I, you know what, this is a trade that happened. My good friend, John Bauer in dynasty uh, theory, you know, him as he, as we were on the podcast together, he did this on a, a recent, he was talking about this, that he traded, he traded Tom Brady and, or no, he got Tom Brady and something else uh, for Jalen hurts and dynasty. How do you feel about it? He said he looked at it from this perspective. He's not a big guy. I believe in hurts and neither am I. And right. he feels like Brady has two years left. And so he's looking at someone that he feels like Brady actually has more longstanding dynasty value than hurts. And I love that bold take. I love it. What do you think about that deal? That is extremely bold. But at the same time, it's like, is Jalen hurts even going to have a starting job next year? So I get where he's coming from. It's like, Brady can have a starting job for as long as he can actually stand on those 44 year old knees. Right. So, so, but Jalen hurts is like, I see both sides, but I think I agree with John here and that I would rather have Tom Brady because in a dynasty league, it's like, I don't know hurts rest of career value, but with Brady, I am certain that I will have a, that I will have a starting quarterback for as long as he can do it. So yeah, yeah. I would I would definitely side side with angry Tom over there. Yeah, no, I, I think it's an interesting. It was an interesting trade, but that, those are the bold trades you got to make a little bit in dynasty. Like sometimes you just got to go for it in terms of that. And I liked it. Uh, running back battle. We got Ronald Jones, running back 35, Leonard Fournette, running back 29, and Gio Bonner Bernard. He's going to probably have a third down role. He's going as running back 54. Now, I do want to bring this up to listeners out there and everybody that has stuck with us is that I have a, I don't want to say I have an insider because I'm really not a real journalist, but I do have someone that really loves Tampa Bay. He goes there all to their training camps. He's about as in tune with Tampa Bay as I've ever seen. He he even talked about 
uh, you know, last year, you know, every everything we talked about with their Tyler Johnson, I trust him. He texted me a couple of days ago and he said Leonard Fournette is about ninety five percent sure he's going to get cut. I know they gave him the deal, but he's saying that he looks awful in training camp. The COVID stuff was a big deal that we talked about last week with Leonard Fournette and that he just hasn't looked good. And he's saying, hey, there is a very big chance he's going to get cut. And they said they absolutely love Giovanni Bernard. And I'm going to tell you right now, first of all, Rojo is a excellent running back. I will go on my grave with that. I think that he is a very good running back going as a running back 35. I realistically think he could put up running back two numbers if he got the carries. Like if he realistically, if he stayed out of damn Bruce Arians doghouse he is that good but he still has weeks where he's going to put up running back two numbers I I I truly believe that uh and then Giovanni Bernard is going to be James White that's who that's going to be because of their ability they were looking for that last year they were trying to find it they just didn't have it and when you look at James White with Brady you know he averaged per game if we're talking about per game in 2018 17 points per game 2019 13 points 2016 10 and in just under 10 in 2017 if you're looking at Giovanni Bernard and what he can do he can do the same thing we know that he plays that role he catches the ball well he's a good receiver if you're looking at a running back 54 like you're legitimately taking him towards the end of your drafts and you could get a guy like James Wright's kind of status for the bucks i'm on the geo bernard train and if leonard Fournette gets cut oh my god you just got any more value than you had right there with grabbing him like i'm drafting geo and, and i'm okay with that yeah man to be honest i would rather stay away from this backfield as a whole as like like right now uh but yeah. but with all this controversy surrounding a Leonard Fournette and what you just said, you know, like with your insider info, Kevin, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And the listeners appreciate that. Am I right? Um, Ronald Jones's ADP in the ninth round seems like an absolute bargain right now. And, and I would smash that all day if I had a draft tomorrow, like you said about geo ever since, you know, I've had, I'm in, I'm in the middle of a few best ball slow drafts and, you know, you shared this info with me, Kevin, a few days ago, and I drafted him in both leagues uh, with mm-hmm. with with my uh, like a late round pick, just because, like you said, if Geo gets that third down role, that pass catching role all to himself, he is the security blanket that Tom Brady loves, and I love that you compared him to James White because that's exactly who he is. He is a very reliable pass catcher who Tom Brady is just going to gleam onto when, when all of the cards are down and he needs that secure pass catcher it's geo. So he is going to have solid PPR value and best ball value for sure. And I, and I agree. I just think the I'm out on Leonard though. Like if you have him in dynasty, you have that stuff, sell, sell, sell. You should have sell after the Super Bowl. You should have yeah. sell out the playoffs, but get out of that because Leonard is not good and you got to get out of that. And I do think Rojo has that. I think he's going to get that second contract. Um, I believe in that, that part of it. Now, wide receivers, there's not really a battle. I do think that they're going to eat into each other here. So I, I'll ask you quickly, like, out of the three, Mike Evans is going as wide receiver 13. Actually, what I'll do is just real quick, a couple words, too high or too low. So Mike Evans, wide receiver 13, where are you at? Is that too high of an ADP or too low? It's a little bit too high for me. I would rather have him in the later teens. Okay. Uh, Chris Godwin, he's going at 408, wide receiver 17. Is that too high or too low? I love Chris Godwin's value right now. At the 408 as wide receiver 17, I will smash that all day. I would rather have Godwin in the third round than Mike Evans, but – you know, if you're if you are giving me Chris Godwin in the fourth, I'll take that all day. 
Okay, so going back to early in the show, then would you rather? So would you be comfortable with the team? Let's say you were able to get, you know, well, realistically based on ADP, I think this could happen. Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, CD, and Chris Godwin. Are you okay with that start, or are you worried about that start? All day, my man. I would take okay. that all day because you have you have the high floor with Jonathan Taylor. He's going to get a bunch of touches. Then you have Aaron Jones with. Aaron Rodgers back, which gives you a gives you a nice ceiling floor combo, and then you have a potential wide receiver one in Lamb, and then you have a very safe top twelve wideout in Godwin, who I think will definitely bounce back. So I love that start, Kevin. All right, I see you're always trying to bring it back a little bit, and then you got Antonio Brown. He's going around nine wide receiver forty. Too high, too low. Uh, I th- I think that that is solid. That's exactly where he should go. Okay. I think that he can pop off on your flex at any given week. He's a great bye week filler. You know, like Tom Brady trusts him. He wanted him in Tampa Bay. So getting AB in the ninth round is both a solid value and exactly where I would draft him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a perfect. Like, I, yeah. if you're looking at him, wide receiver three on some weeks, and he's there. Uh, now, tight ends, uh, you know, Rob, he's you know what's crazy is Rob Gronkowski is is he a little older than Kelsey? I, I just saw this stat the other day, and when you're looking at like his his age, I believe he's a like a it's not very big. Like when you watch Rob after all those injuries that he had, his knees, he looks old out there. To me, it's like man, it's crazy to think that him and Kelsey they're about the same age, aren't they? Gronk is one year older, and yeah. I bet it's not even a full year. So that <laughs> that is crazy. How strong. Travis Kelsey looks and how brittle yeah. Gronk looks. It's amazing, right? Like I was, I saw that stat the other day. And I was like, "Holy crap, you're right." So he's going as tight end fourteen. Too high for you or too low? So I actually like that. I, you know, I think that we're getting Gronk at a value this year, and I think that he's going so low just because OJ Howard's coming back, and OJ Howard is coming off a ruptured Achilles. I mean, I don't know how effective he's going to be I think he's another player that we keep our eye on as Cam Akers fantasy managers even though he plays another position a less grueling position I mean he still has to block he has to be in the trenches so I would definitely be watching OJ Howard but that's not going to keep me from drafting a Rob Gronkowski in the 10th or later round I'd rather get him later and I and I've never seen him go that early in the 10th round I usually see him go in the 12th round or so uh, and I am more than comfortable taking him there if if I don't get Kelsey or Kittle in the first and second. No, I think that's fair. You know, I've never, you know, I don't think I've ever owned Gronkowski in a league. Just, you know, a little FYI for everybody out there. I just, I just never got him. Like, it was just one of those things where I've never had him in all his he's years. Always he's always been drafted too high. Yeah, he always got drafted way too high. Too high for me. You know, OJ Howard, maybe Dynasty stash. You better hope he comes back. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I, to me, the real battle is that running back battle where you're at. And then if you believe Chris Godwin can be a solid wide receiver, too, uh, like you do, I think that's a value as well. And yeah. so now we do want to do one last thing before we get out of here. I know it's a little longer than we usually like to go, but we definitely got to do this. So we're going to do a quick Super Smash Bros. Battle Royale. And what this Battle Royale is going to be is, you know, what about one quarterback or super flex? So we've been seeing a lot of different uh, questions about this, like what format's better. And to be honest, I'm not a league shamer. I don't care what format you play in. Mm-hmm. But in terms of w- we're going to start, we're just going to do redraft because I think in Dynasty, 
it has to be super flex. Yeah. I don't like one quarterback league because it's too stagnant. There's not enough value, not enough trades. Like I feel like dynasty has to be super flex. Mm-hmm. Um, keepers, I guess I don't really play in keeper leagues anymore. Uh, it's pretty much just dynasty or, or sort of redraft. But in in what is our argument for redraft leagues? Should they be one quarterback or super flex? Where do you go with on this? All right, Kevin. So I'm a huge streamer guy. I make my living off of making my shots on quarterback streamers. Superflex leagues takes all of that away. You know, instead of valuing the running backs and wide receivers, now we have to value quarterbacks the exact same way, which takes away from some of the fun, in my opinion. That there's there's no better feeling than hitting on a quarterback streamer i'll tell you like i said earlier i'm a hashtag zero quarterback guy so making a redraft league a super flex league takes takes away all the fun in my opinion i have no problem with making a dynasty league super flex like you said kevin i think that's a must but keep that away from my sacred one quarterback leagues <laughs> You're sacred. Now you sound old like all these old these guys out here. No, I, I so I agree to that point. Like if you're a streamer and you're used to one format, it's all right. I do like Superflex uh, redraft leagues because of I I think it allows you in dynasty leagues. It's hard because you're not drafting Tom Brady. You're, it's well you are, but it's also difficult to draft some of those older guys because you're worried about okay, the value gets shifted so much with quarterbacks. and redraft, I like the ability to maybe draft some of these older guys and just roll with it and say, okay, hey, you can still make it work. And I do think that sometimes in leagues like this, and this might be bad to say, is that if you do switch to a super flex redraft, some dudes still draft it as if it's a one quarterback, and you can collect value at your quarterback positions. Um, and you can still wait on quarterbacks in super flex redraft too. Like you could realistically, you could still get a Derek Carr and Tom Brady or those type of guys in a redraft and you'd be okay, and you could build up your other rosters. I just think that Superflex allows for more creative roster building. Like when I see mocks in one quarterback compared to Superflex, I don't want to say I get bored when I'm looking at those mocks, but there's, you know what it's going to be, right? Like you and me could both say what the first five picks in a redraft league is going to be right now. Like mm-hmm. probably on top of our head, we know it's going to be five running backs. It's what it is. When you get into Superflex, it just creates so much more dynamics when you're drafting. I just like that thrill of being able to build a roster through, hey, you know what? If I want to go zero QB in a Superflex, let's see what I can get in the eighth round. Like if I'm going to roll out Darnold and Derek Carr, and imagine if I win that, imagine the bragging rights I have. So like for me, it's about roster construction, but I understand what you're saying in terms of like, hey, I can stream guys, I can build up my other positional players. And some people believe it overvalues the quarterback, but to me, I think they should be overvalued. Hey, man, I agree with what you're saying, too. I would just feel forced to take a quarterback early, which takes away from my running back. Uh, Uh, But I totally get what you're saying. It would be fun. I would just rather stick with one quarterback. All right, that's fair. Uh, You know, let us know what you think of uh, who would you rather, you know, what would you rather play in? I know single quarterback is still there, uh, but what do you think is, is more fun for you? I guess it just depends on, you know, to me, it's all about fun. So if you have fun in redraft, go ahead. If you have fun in Superflex like I do, go ahead. Just be you out there. So, hey, this is a great episode. We went through training camp battles, went through all of that. We are definitely going to hit up that. One thing to look forward to, um, I haven't talked to Jake about this, but I definitely think we're going to do it. Probably towards the end of this month, we're going to do a mock draft for you for a single quarterback, what it should look like, and maybe a super flex mock too uh, for your redraft leagues. Once we figure out the injury news, everything going down, we will do a mock for everybody on the on the podcast talking about maybe how these rounds go and we'll go from there. Let's go, man. I love mocking. So you guys stay tuned for that, man. I love that news, Kevin. 
All right. Well, hey, we'll catch you guys next time. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, that like button. Um, if you're on YouTube, if you're on the podcast, please leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. And until next time, we'll see you guys later.